Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. The uh, title of the talk is um, Tenderizing the Heart. Our true nature is indestructible, is uh, not subject to conditions, is um, wise, is loving, and all of Dharma practice is to uh, one way you can think of it to uh, uncover the obscurations to get in touch with who we really are. When we do the chanting at the end and, uh, of, of the sitting and we say, Buddhang Saranang Gachami, I take refuge in the Buddha, we're taking refuge in the Buddha right inside that seed of awakening what's in some traditions called bodhicitta. That's why the Buddha taught, because we all have this capacity to fully awaken and to see what he saw. This is from um, the great Zen master Wang Po, who says, your true nature is something never lost to you, even in moments of delusion, nor is it gained at the moment of enlightenment. This pure mind, the source of everything, shines forever and on all with the brilliance of its own perfection. That's who you really are. But, At the same time, we are um, also very fragile creatures, very um, vulnerable, woundable. We can hurt easily. We can feel um, barraged by life. And we protect ourselves, our, our most basic instinct is survival. The first chakra are, are coming into this world needing to check everything out and protect ourselves from danger. And that's a, it's a good thing because uh, we are vulnerable as uh, Joseph Goldstein, my main teacher, has said, anything can happen at any time. In a moment, whether it's um, something external, beyond our control, or something internal in our bodies, or something uh, that is said to us, that jars us. We all know that vulnerability um, very well. All too well, maybe, you're thinking. And so, because there is... um, there is the need to um, take care and protect ourselves. Um, we have a mechanism of of fear, which is a very healthy thing up to a point to keep us from danger. I'm just remembering now when uh, my son Adam was uh, was in second grade. They went to a 
a uh, fortune cookie factory with his class. I haven't thought about this in, in, in quite a while. It's not in my notes, but it's just coming through. That's what's, so here it is. And, uh, and the, the, um, the assignment was to, um, as an art uh, assignment, to make your own fortune cookie with your own f- uh, fortune in it. And Adam was one of the coolest things that from his childhood. He had this this big fortune cookie folded up um, in uh, construction paper, and his um, his fortune, which was on, in our kitchen for like about a year or two, we had it up there. Was um, your wisdom will keep you from danger. That's pretty far out. Yeah. He somehow wasn't as wise when he got to be, you know, a teenager and uh but he had a lot of wisdom when he was very young. Now he's the wisdom is coming back has been coming back in the last few years. But that's that's how how it can work. Our wisdom can protect us, can keep us from danger. But um we don't always um, have access to that wisdom. And another way that uh, f- our fear works, um, because it's not always dangerous. In, we, we are looking for danger even when it's not dangerous, or we can be sensitive to it, is uh, to protect ourselves through armoring ourselves from feeling pain, from uh, outside uh, encounters with others, from within our own lack of wisdom and confusion, from the sadness in the world. A couple of weeks ago, I uh, gave a talk uh, that I called Letting Your Heart Break because there's been some sadness, a lot of sadness with some tragedies and, uh, and um, shootings and violence and things like that. Um, and we sometimes feel like we need to protect ourselves from all of that. Mm. But in that protection, in our armoring, in what is meant to keep ourselves safe, we often can cut ourselves off from the connection of that true nature, from the love that's right inside, from the wisdom that's there inside of us from our aliveness. And so we feel disconnected. All because there's something in us that really um, yearns for safety and is trying to do its best to um, have us feel okay and safe but it's a it's a big price to pay when that armoring comes up and uh, doesn't allow us to feel <clears throat> especially in in the the sadness of the world there's so much uh, greed there's so much anger and hatred there's so much ignorance and we can get outraged and say Oh, enough. I want... Stop the world. I want to get off. Um, and so we um, maybe withdraw and don't let ourselves feel. <clears throat> Not that that's a bad thing. It's just something that happens. And if it becomes a kind of a chronic response, then um, there is a price to pay. Or in our armoring, we 
become either the authority or we become the helper or we become super competent so we don't have to feel our vulnerability. So we don't have to feel um, the feelings inside, whether they're of unworthiness or self-judgment or um, loneliness or a sense of um, incompleteness, of not being enough. We take on a stance of, I've got it together. Another way that we can um, cut ourselves off from from what's really going on inside. <clears throat> Sometimes uh, the armoring is so strong that um, either we don't know it's there or we do know it's there and we want to break through to that softer place inside, but we don't know how. We're kind of stuck. And just protecting the heart from hurt or shame or anger or fear, those things that I've mentioned. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we are humbled by experience and we feel um, either very stuck in that being humbled or we can see that there's an opportunity here when our when we've gone through a big upheaval and the armoring starts to get a little bit um, uh, more porous. Mm. And what I have seen in myself is um, at times I can have that armoring and, and protection in just a moment, just a moment of tenderness can begin to loosen the armoring. Not that it dispels it all at once, of course, but to start getting a little bit of a thawing or a crack in that armoring, there's some possibility there. And often what it takes is just a moment of tenderness or the heart is touched. I was... um, I was speaking to somebody uh, recently. Um, actually, it's this uh, this friend up in uh, Vancouver who I'm sharing. Um, I'm I don't know if I've mentioned this here, but uh, uh, she's a, a teacher who's taken the Joy Course a number of times. Her name is Michelle, uh, and sometimes she listens to the talk. So, hi, Michelle, if you're if you're there, um, and uh, we're writing co-writing this book, Awakening Joy for Kids. Because uh, she used the, has used the Awakening Joy principles um, for a number of years with her class, her classes, and she has also taught other teachers as well. And uh, she showed me what she's done with all these lessons, and, and the, the publishers, Parallax, who published Awakening Joy, said, oh yeah, that would be really good. So we're, we're working on this this uh, book together. Um, It's been good. It's been fun. Anyway, I was speaking with her recently and um, she was sharing about how um, this uh, woman in her 80s came into the class. She's from Eastern Europe, Romania, I think it is. And uh, it was, she came in the year, last year, uh, and with some other uh, elders and was talking about how Christmas was celebrated in uh, in the, uh, years ago in when she was a child, and um, she said uh, she remembered last year and she said, "Oh, can I come back uh, and come to visit the class again?" Uh, and Michelle said, "Oh, please do." And she came and she had done all of these, made all of these little sweet gifts for each of the kids little crafts that she put together. And then she pulled out her um, the big gift that she was so excited to offer the class, and it was this collection of uh, Hans Christian Andersen stories, a complete collection of Hans Christian Andersen stories, illustrated and all. And she was 
so very excited and she she shared with the class and the kids kind of just looked there like, you know, who's Hans Christian Andersen? And it seemed like a big thick book and nobody was very excited about it. Um, everybody know Hans Christian Andersen? Yeah. Okay. Um, and when, she w- when Michelle was telling me this story, you know, I said, ah, Hans Christian Andersen. You know. And I immediately started um, singing songs from the movie Hans Christian Andersen. Anybody ever see the movie with Danny Kaye, Hans Christian Andersen? The songs, you know, Thumbelina, Thumbelina, tiny little thing, that one. And inchworm, inchworm, measuring. Anyway, I started singing those because it's one of my favorite all-time movies when I was a kid. And I have the, the, um, uh, the album on, my, on iTunes, and, I, and I've downloaded it, and I play it from time to time. Because all I have to do, actually, is think about Danny Kaye, and I start to well up tears. If you don't know Danny Kaye, he was a pretty neat guy, ambassador for UNICEF, and uh, just a f- funny and brilliant and witty. And he's in my triumvirate of my goodness heroes, along with Pete Seeger and Julie Andrews. I just have to think about Julie Andrews, and I start to melt a little. It's Strange, but I'm glad that that's so. Uh, Just like uh, any two minutes of It's a Wonderful Life will do it for me, too. So as I I was starting to sing, I said, oh, you've got to read those stories to the class and, and have them fall in love with Hans Christian Andersen. And I just started singing a little bit and thinking about Danny Kaye and telling her how much I, I loved Danny Kaye and still do. Um, and I just started to feel all warm inside. It was quite extraordinary. I said, wow, oh, thank you for telling me about your book. And there was this warmth and softness and tenderness. Uh, and I said, oh, Gee, I needed that. I gave that talk on letting your heart break a couple of weeks ago because there was, I was feeling it, and I said, I don't have any answers or solutions, but I'm just feeling feeling that sadness and feeling uh, uh, that protection Moving Beyond Self-Protection. This is from Pema Chodron. I read something of hers last, last week or a couple of weeks ago. Here's, here's another uh, piece of wisdom from her. We think that by protecting ourselves from suffering, we are being kind to ourselves. The truth is, we only become more fearful, more hardened, and more alienated we experience ourselves as being separate from the whole. This separateness becomes like a prison for us, a prison that restricts us to our personal hopes and fears and to caring only for the people nearest to us. Curiously enough, if we primarily try to shield ourselves from discomfort, we suffer Yet when we don't close off and we let our hearts break, we discover our kinship with all beings. Hmm. Recently, um, I um, was... uh, uh, not long ago, was 
I've been uh, processing a, a sadness uh, from my in my own life where I um, I caused hurt to somebody inadvertently. I didn't didn't know it, and somebody I really care about, um, not my wife, in case you're wondering, but. Um, I had a, I made a, I made a decision, a, a judgment, and it wasn't quite the right, uh, the right way to go. And this person was was hurt by it, and they were angry, and their uh, trust was a bit shaken, and uh, it was it was really painful. I I don't like to cause suffering to anyone but you know when you when you cause suffering to somebody that you really care about it's so painful and uh, it was sitting with me and just feeling the the pain of that but feeling a bit stuck mm. and when there was, when there can be a kind of softening, a kind of just a little bit of even self-compassion for, oh, we're doing, you're doing the best you can, and sometimes you make a mistake. Uh, there's a, a a kindness there that starts to soften things, and a a tenderness, and we can discover what is sometimes called the the genuine heart of sadness. This is, again, from, from Pema Chodron. She says, uh, Bodhicitta, that awakened heart, um, it is our heart and our wounded, softened heart if you look now, if you look for that soft heart that we guard so carefully, if you decide you're going to do a scientific exploration under the microscope and try to find that heart, you won't find it. You can look, but all you'll find is some kind of tenderness. There isn't anything that you can cut out and put under the microscope. There isn't anything that you can dissect or grasp. The more you look, the more you find just a feeling of tenderness, tinged with some kind of sadness. This sadness is not about somebody mistreating us. This is inherent sadness, unconditional sadness. It is part of our birthright, a family heirloom. It's been called the genuine heart of sadness. And because there's suffering in the world, the first noble truth, there's suffering in the world, we, if we are truly connected with it, then along with joy, along with love, along with peace, there is, um, there is that poignant sadness. Because that's in the fabric of life. And when we do things that uh, might cause harm to someone else, or somebody does thing something unthinking or uh, uh, oblivious to us, um, we need to learn how to be courageous enough to open to it and let ourselves feel it. Not an easy thing to do. Mm. Let's see. Oh yeah, one other quote that I wanted to share with you from Trungpa Rinpoche, who is Pema Chodron's teacher. He says, when you awaken your heart, you find to your surprise that your heart is empty you find that you're looking into outer space. What are you? Who are you? Where is your heart? If you really look, you won't find anything tangible and solid. Of course, you might find something very solid if you have a grudge against someone but if, or if you've fallen possessively in love, but that's not the awakened heart. 
if you search for awakened heart, if you put your hand through your rib cage and feel for it, there's nothing there except for tenderness. You feel sore and soft, and if you open your eyes to the rest of the world, you may feel tremendous sadness. This kind of sadness doesn't come from being mistreated. You don't feel sad because someone has insulted you or because you feel impoverished. Rather, this experience of sadness is unconditioned. It occurs because your heart is completely exposed. There's no skin or tissue covering it. It is pure, raw meat. Even if a tiny mosquito lands on it, you feel so touched. Your experience is raw and tender. For the true warrior, this experience of sad and tender heart is what gives birth to fearlessness. Conventionally, being fearless means that you're not afraid or that if someone hits you, you'll hit him back. However, we're not talking about that street fighter level of fearlessness. Real fearlessness is the product of tenderness. You're willing to open up without resistance or shyness and face the world. Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche. So the idea, paradoxically, is that, that you don't have to keep it all together, but if you uh, can let yourself wisely surrender to the fears and the demons and the things that you don't want to feel inside, um, then you are starting to contact that true warrior heart of tenderness. There's the story of Milarepa, um, the, the great Tibetan yogi. Milarepa, who uh, lived out in a cave and for many years was... Uh, just practicing on on his own and um, and having the most austere practices, but he completely loved being in the cave. And one day he comes back to his cave after uh, after going around on the countryside, and he sees that the cave has um, been invaded by demons, a whole community of demons that have come to take over the place. And he wants to keep on with his practice. And he says, hmm, how are we going to get rid of these demons? And uh, first he decides, oh, I'll teach them the Dharma and that will pacify them and then they'll, then they'll leave. So he teaches them about emptiness and about compassion and he gives some Dharma talk. They don't move. They don't care about that. And then he gets really angry and impatient and he, in his anger, tries to scare them away. They just laugh, sitting around. You're going to frighten us away? Uh Uh-uh. Then he says, okay, you're not going, I'm not going. Let's just sit and um, sit together and learn to live together. Let's just, I welcome you. At that, all but one leave. Okay. But there's still one that's hanging around that's not going to be fooled by just the, the open invitation. And this one is really fierce. And Milarepa sees that nothing he can do is going to budge this demon. So finally, he goes up to the demon and he says, I surrender to you. Eat me if you must. And he puts his head in the mouth of the demon. And with that, the demon disappears. It's a good story, huh? If it works, yeah. Because our resistance to the demons is the very thing that perpetuates it. So when we can truly 
surrender and let our heart feel all the, the pain and the rawness, then we can touch that tenderness as well. <clears throat> A couple of weeks ago when we had that, um, uh, that talk on letting your heart break, uh, uh, I think it was Jim over here who talked about Tonglen and about how, uh, how Tonglen, the Tibetan, this is a Tibetan talk tonight, how Tonglen is, is the, a powerful antidote where you take in the suffering around you and it gets transformed into compassion. And the way it gets transformed is that it touches that pure heart in there that's so tender and undefended. And through our willingness to let ourselves feel it all, um, it shifts into compassion because there's that indestructible purity in there that can take in all the suffering in the world and alchemically transform it. It's a lot like the Buddha's um, uh, uh, story of before he becomes enlightened, Mara is shooting arrows at the Buddha. And there's, there's pictures depicting the arrows turning into flowers, you know, becoming transformed into flowers. Actually, that's after the Buddha was enlightened. The arrows just change into flowers. So, yeah, it sounds good, but how do you do it? It's not so easy when the arm ring is strong. So I wanted to offer um, some an approach that um, uh, is perhaps more on the psychological side, although it's, it's dharma-based, from a book that I um, came across called Undefended Love. It's quite good, by Jet Saris, P-S-A-R-I-S, and Marlena Lyons. Undefended Love. And... Uh, they they talk about how um, dissolving our defenses is uh, can be done in a very um, courageous and conscious way. This is seeing them after you see them. It's humbling, but if you really want to wake up, and you know that warding. And protecting yourself is just keeping them there or strengthening them, then what's the alternative? You might as well go for it. Right? So they have um, five steps in this undefended love, which are really uh, another way of talking of uh, Dharma practice. But the first is to move toward the emotional discomfort. Quite the opposite of what we, what we instinctively want to do. But um, as they say, if there's anxiety or fear or sadness or anger, then you're moving from the armoring to something a bit more vulnerable. And you see, oh, here's a doorway in to move towards instead of away. This is um, a, a poem I've shared uh, at times here from Jennifer Wellwood that talks about this beautifully. It's called Unconditional. Willing to experience aloneness, I discover connection everywhere. Turning to face my fear, I meet the warrior who lives within. Opening to my loss, I gain the embrace of the universe. Surrendering into emptiness, I find fullness without end. Each condition I flee from pursues me. Each condition I welcome transforms me and becomes itself transformed into its radiant jewel-like essence, 
I bow to the one who has made it so, who has crafted this master game to play it as pure delight, to honor its form, true devotion, unconditional, to move towards each condition I flee from pursues me, each condition I welcome transforms me. So that's the first, moving toward the emotional discomfort. Mm. And we do this in Dharma practice, seeing, oh, here is fear, here is sadness. Mm. Can I touch it a little at a time? There second um, step in this strategy they call close all exits. And that is instead of leaving, escaping physically, mentally, or emotionally, you have a commitment to hang in there with it. Different ways of leaving walking out, um, falling asleep, um, striking out against others, um, splitting mentally, um, intellectualize, analyze, rationalize, go blank, just kind of numbing out, leaving emotionally, Becoming confused, shut down, self-doubt, talk incessantly. And then there's defending is another exit. This is particularly in relationship to others. We lie, we get indignant, we become self-righteous, we justify, we resent. Or another exit indulging in some kind of unskillful behavior. Shop, eat, drugs, alcohol, act compulsively, work, gamble, lots of different ways. All of the things, have you noticed, all the, 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 the things that get people in trouble are often in response to not being able to feel what we feel and we need to split and distract ourselves. So that's the second. The third is as we move towards the emotional discomfort and we close the exits and aren't trying to get out is to what they call let the discomfort overwhelm your defenses. That is, open to the pain. And they say it has to overwhelm your defenses because if your defenses are too guarded, then uh, they're defending you. But to really let yourself surrender to the pain and go through what they call entering the black hole which is uh, akin, as I, as I read about it, to uh, the dark night of the soul. Just letting yourself be transformed, letting yourself completely um, melt in an undefended way. And I think it makes sense to uh, as I say, titrate your dukkha so you're not completely overwhelmed, but just letting yourself feel, oh, this really hurts. Wow, does this hurt? And not protect yourself so much that you're uh, not able to start to transform it. Mm. And as you enter the black hole, there's a few things to help support you in that. One, there's um, emotional presence, what they call, which is 
realizing that this is impermanent, but there, that there can be an awareness that holds it, that's even larger than the, the pain. Just having something bigger, a presence, and where there's, even though you're humbled, there's a sense that this isn't the whole story. Mm. And then what they call reassurance, which you can get either from somebody else outside of you or within your own practice, reassurance, it's okay to feel this. This is my Dharma practice. This will pass, but this is a real opportunity to to hear and kind of saying, you can do it a little at a time. And then there is um, mirroring, what they call mirroring, which is um, reflecting with compassion on our true nature and just getting in touch and seeing, oh, there's something that can bear even this. And as you go through that black hole, you come out the other end like, um, like Trungpa says and Pema Chodron says, and you find that you have the capacity to meet it, which is one of the main gifts that we find whenever we go through major suffering. Oh my goodness, I, I gave a talk a couple of months ago. I didn't know I had it in me. That's the good news if we're willing to, uh, to go in there and get the support we need as we are. And then you come out the other end and what they call articulate your experience. That is to be completely authentic and humble in a new way, in a way that connects you with courage and connects you with the power that's larger than yourself. And as you can articulate what you've learned, it goes even deeper. And articulate your humanness, that connects you. It goes from self-righteousness to, oh yes, I am human here, and I can let down my armoring, and that's the way. Just the other day, a, a friend of, of mine, who I respect very much, uh, and they're part of, a, um, of a, a collaborative effort that, um, that I'm also part of. And this person was uh, a bit um, stuck in their position, and it was kind of um, mm, creating an impasse for us to move forward. And uh, we had a couple of meetings, and they were just saying, no, this this isn't going to work for me. Um, And the rest of us were saying, were wondering, well, gee, there might be another way. But um, we weren't forcing the issue because... This person was so clear that it wouldn't work for them. And then um, we met uh, a day day or so ago, and this person said, you know, I was looking at what was going on with me, and as I looked more and more deeply, my resistance didn't have to do with this situation. It had to do when I was eight years old and I didn't get my way and I was frightened that nobody would be able to take care of me and I I just got activated. And they said, in a moment, they just connected with how much love there was in our group. And the heart melted, and they said, oh, of course, 
we can move ahead. It was just my eight-year-old that was getting frightened. And, uh, and they were so authentic and honest in the articulation, and it just created this field of metta. Uh, and we all melted and just fell into loving each other. It was, it was so profound. It was such a teaching for me. They said, just in a moment of seeing through the fear and into this place of how much we all love each other and we can make it work out. And so they articulated so skillfully their own humanness, which touched all of our hearts. So I offer that in this undefended love that um, uh, strategy, moving towards the discomfort, closing all the exits, letting the discomfort overwhelm your defenses to really open up to the pain, entering the black hole, the dark night, letting yourself, just putting your head in the, the mouth of the demon, so to speak, and then in that transformation, understanding what you've learned and feeling that much more human and that much more tapped into a power much bigger than yourself. And all of this so we can tenderize or get in touch with the tender heart that's been there all along. And then from a Dharma perspective, even beyond the me and my tender heart, to see through the separation, even beyond me and other and protecting myself from other, then you see in that connection, in your opening up to your humanness, you see there's no separation and you come back to that true nature that was never separate in the first place. So it's both honoring the relative and holding it in the, uh, in the bigger picture of the ultimate. But you can't bypass that relative. You have to really let your humanness be touched. Mm-hmm. So just invite you for a moment to uh, make this more mm, relevant to you. Might close your eyes for a moment and notice those times when you feel frightened or stuck and your armoring is protecting you so much that it protects you and keeps you from the tenderness inside. And keeps you disconnected from yourself and others around. And maybe for just a moment to Hold it with great compassion. You can't try to force it open, but just letting your heart be touched by something sweet, the goodness inside, your sincerity, and connect with the humanness of it all. Mm. Might be helpful just as you as you do this. Just uh, if you'd like to put your hand on your heart, as sometimes done with that self-compassion practice. 
and just uh, feel the tenderness in there. It's just a frightened part of us that's doing the best it can to keep us safe. It might be young. It might be confused. Just holding it with a real kind, loving presence. And feeling the humanness inside and connecting with the human predicament that we all share. This is suffering. This is part of life. May I hold the suffering with kindness. This is the the journey of the warrior, the real warrior, the true warrior. Not conquering, but allowing and having the courage to feel it all. Okay, so um, we have a, just a few minutes if anybody has a comment or question or anything they want to share. Yeah, oh, thanks, Amy. Uh, put it right next to your. Is it on? Oh wait, uh, maybe it's not turned on. Oh, hang on. No, hold on just a moment, and put it on a, on an angle too. But uh, wait, Jaime's got to turn it on. Now try it. No. Hang on. Wrong one. Is that one on? Okay. There you go. Great. Uh, we're here. I'm Stephen. Hi, Stephen. Uh, A little closer. Yeah. Probably going to boom. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, one point that really uh, jumped out at me was this um, discussion of the... Um, basic sadness mm-hmm. that's, that's just part of our condition. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think I was really aware of that idea before, but immediately I thought, that sounds like original sin. And I wondered if that, mm. if there's some resonance of that. Mm. No, I, 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 would, I would not, I don't think of it as original sin. Um, in fact, it's one of the things that... Um, Mm. I think is so powerful about Eastern uh, practice that you're already the Buddha inside. You're already uh, pure and good. Uh, You don't have to do anything to uh, be worthy of, of freedom or awakening. You just have to clear away the obscurations. So when... When uh, Pema Chodron or, or Trungpa talk about that 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 sadness, it's I feel it as um, just the the compassionate heart that feels the 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 pain of the world and that can be touched in a very beautiful, poignant way. That doesn't take away from the joy. 
It's just that the heart can hold it all, can hold the, the pain of the world as well as the beauty and the, and the joy. Anything else? Uh, okay. Hi, is it on? So I found that I've been doing stuff for about the last five years, meditation and, and Dharma talks, and uh-huh. have found them very helpful and uh-huh. meaningful. But in the last 18 months, I've got, gotten into a very deep depression, mm-hmm. and I just find that it just doesn't touch it. Mm-hmm. I, I try and try and try to, to, to connect with you know what the Dharma talks and it just mm-hmm. it's like it's another world now mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to get to it mm-hmm. I'm so sorry yeah and that and and this is not a one size fits all you know or cookie cutter kind of a thing and sometimes if there's if if it's really been um, been dark there for a while there's other things that are um you know, it might be more appropriate. Sometimes it might be um, jump-starting your your biology, you know, with medication. Sometimes it might be having some really good uh, support, professional support, uh, mindfulness-based cognitive therapy or things like that. Um, and because sometimes it's not possible to, to just do it alone um, so, uh, I, I, I feel for you and are you getting any kind of support like oh, that? Yeah. <laughs> huh? Yeah. Huh? But I mean, part of it too is, is the feeling of loss of something that meant so much to me before mm. that, you know, has evaporated. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just that it doesn't help me, but the, but the feeling of loss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, so. that's. Do you do, do you remember at times when, before the loss when you were uh, before the depression were there there are times when there was joy mm-hmm. yeah what brought you joy a part of what 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 brought you joy oh lots of things <laughs> like what um, art and being with my friends and hiking and Doing meditation and mm-hmm. yeah, you know, just mm-hmm. lots and lots of things. Do you do you hike or go out in nature? These I, I try to, you know, mm-hmm. get out. And, mm-hmm. and in in your body, are you in your body? Yeah, I'm mean, gonna try and mm-hmm. make sure that I. It's, sometimes it, 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 it it's it's that much harder to overcome the inertia. Yeah. Um, do you sing, by the way? Actually, I, I I took a singing class at Freight and Salvage, and it was very healing. You I, liked singing. Yeah. Are you singing these days? I, I'm not, but I, you know, I, I'm finding when I can find an opportunity to. I do. Would you um, uh, please start singing every day? <laughs> right now? <laughs> uh, oh, if you want to, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I mean on your own, and um, make sure you're singing every day, at least something. Yeah. You know, if you, you might try Hans Christian Andersen. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and and this is something that you you can't simply uh, just turn on the switch and say it's all okay. But there are things that you can do to reach out for support and actually, um, uh, and in being in your body and singing and getting some some good uh, mm-hmm. good support. And uh, I really feel for you and and being around good. Good people helps. So thank you. Okay. It's, well, it's just about about time. Was it quick, uh, Hydra? I know you had your hand. Okay. All right. So let's just uh, close for for the evening and um, mm, just holding our tender hearts. May we have the courage to feel 
everything inside. May we access our goodness and our aliveness. May we share our love well. And may all benefit from our coming here together. May all beings be happy and free. So, thank you very much. Hope your holidays are are good and uh, find something to do that maybe gives back if you're not getting enough in here then share share your love well okay see ya thank you for listening to learn how you can support the teachers and dharma seed please visit dharmaseed.org/donate